afternoon and evening or whenever wherever we find you on this day you're listening to doth protest too much and um, I had some mic issues on the last episode and so now I think I've remedied that because the mic is closer to my mouth and it's sitting on a stack of books and one book is if I'm pronouncing my German right up to long two book eight and up up to long to book six of the complete critical edition of the theologian Friedrich Schleiermacher. And love him or hate him, that is who we are talking about on today's episode of Doc Protest Too Much. And we have a special guest with us today, Daniel Peterson, who is not the Danish professional footballer. Uh, he is a theologian and a research fellow at University of Aberdeen, tuning uh into in with us from Scotland. So um, welcome him to the show. And Daniel specializes in the theology of Friedrich Schleiermacher and his research interest spans modern from modern the or from the reformers, sorry, up to, through modern theology, 19th century and beyond. Um, and he Aberdeen has a center for Protestant theology. And like, is that the name of the um uh, the the school the study house the um that's where and so it's it's one of the uh which is uh not so common in the uk but um so it's really just a, a house for all kinds of studies on protestantism i guess the classical modern era um, which uh, daniel is very well read on and so daniel is the author of a recent book schleiermacher's theology of sin and nature agency value in modern theology that's a, a full title. That was a title and a subtitle I just read. It was published by Rutledge, Rutledge in 2020, as well as the Eternal Covenant Schleiermacher on God and Natural Science published in 2017. And he's authored uh, numerous articles on Friedrich Schleiermacher as well, uh, some which we will bring up in this episode. So Daniel, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really appreciate you being on the show. I'll tell our listeners, Daniel reached out to me to be on the show. That doesn't happen a lot with uh, scholars. And so I was like really honored by that. And I was like, it, was, it made me really happy and excited uh, that people are actually listening to us. I know people are listening to us. I see the numbers on on it. So, And we just lost five listeners. I just, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have a live time accounter for that. So, uh, but anyways, Schleiermacher uh, is going to be discussed today. And so Daniel Schleiermacher, in my experience, is, is a widely known name, at least, uh, mainly for people who have interest in theology. But I know a few who actually really dive into studying him. Um, and that's not like a criticism of, you know, oh, more people need to read him necessarily. I'm just saying it, it, it is what it is. My point is that there's no, there doesn't seem to be like a huge, huge interest Um and in fact, most of his works are in German, have never been brought over in English. And I don't know if this is, can be attributed to like um, 
for our listeners, our, I'm, our previous episode, one of our previous episodes where we talked about the theologian uh, Eberhard Jungel, sometimes there's a gulf between Anglosphere and German speaking academy. But um, I imagine Schleiermacher is pretty niche in Germany uh, as, as well, <laughs> especially today. So. Um, so we won't find many Schleiermacher scholars, but they definitely exist, and there's definitely several very notable ones, and there is a good-sized chunk, nevertheless, of English uh, secondary literature out there on him. And so he's, he's not a mystery as much as there still needs to be work, I guess, and study of him. Um, and so, Daniel, you are one of them. You're one of the more recent voices, so to speak, of Schleiermacher studies. And so what led to your interest in, in this? Um, I'll start the episode just asking you that um, and kind of just tie that into your overall uh, story um, leading up to now. Yeah, well, so uh, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I was and I was uh, I was eager to join the podcast, first of all, because I was a listener and enjoyed the episodes. And, <laughs> and especially was was happy to hear the Schleiermacher episodes. And of course, um, you know, there's, as you as you mentioned, it's not too many places that are hosting, you know, more than one conversation about Schleiermacher mm -hmm. and also in an interesting kind of critical but open mode. So I'm excited to talk about him again. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. And for our listeners, we had we did have we did one Schleiermacher. There was Jacqueline Marina. Uh, he Schleiermacher briefly came up in our Ro Roger Olson episode. Um, and so we got two different kind of takes on Schleiermacher so far. And uh, Daniel's perhaps a little more positive about Schleiermacher than, uh, than Roger Olson. And that's okay. We, we, have, we host all kinds of uh, voices on this forum. And so um, that's going to be the, uh, we're really going to be seriously diving into Schleiermacher for this episode. Um, so uh, this, and this episode may be a little different uh, from our prior interviews. Daniel and I are really going to, uh, um, I guess, be as uh, uh, conversational as we can about Schleiermacher. And like Daniel, I too am, uh, I study, I, I have studied Schleiermacher and I'm, um, I'm, I'm studying Schleiermacher on and off. Some coursework doesn't really entail much focus on him. Others does. I recently did a seminar at ILT on Schleiermacher's works and, that, and a lot of my area of focus, which will end up being in my eventual dissertation, whatever, whenever that happens, <laughs> if it happens, will be uh, in the realm of two kingdoms uh, thought, which is a very Protestant thought going back to the Reformation, but uh, Schleiermacher's uh, uh, ecclesial and political views uh, have some, there's some, they, they, there's some reminiscence of that in, in his Ecclesial and political views, which I'll, um, which is a lot to unpack, and I'll get, you know, there'll, there'll be future episodes where maybe that'll come up. But so I am, uh, I'm not a Schleiermacher. I wouldn't label myself a Schleiermacher scholar. We have one of those on the show right now. So, um, but we'll be kind of uh, having some good back and forth, hopefully, and presenting different aspects of Schleiermacher's thought and work. Um, so, but Daniel, you'll obviously, I think, have a lot more to offer here. So. Um, let me, I was going to do a brief overview of Schleiermacher's life, because we didn't really get to that so much in, in the like past episodes on this show where he has come up. Uh, I was going to do kind of a brief overview and then segue into to kind of the central ideas that the, the Schleiermacher 101 ideas, you know, who are we talking about? What, why is he even important type thing? I'll leave to you, Daniel, if that's all right. Um, I was going to, is that, is that cool? We can go, sure. we can kind of take that direction and see where this goes. 
Um, so, uh, first off, one book I would recommend um, to people is Terrence Tice's, is this the book called Schleiermacher? Um, and I think it's from Abingdon. Do you remember? It's It was the one from about 15 years ago. It was part of a series. Yeah. What's that? I don't remember the press, but yeah. It, well, it's, it's from Abington. I don't, it was part of a, a series and he wrote the Schleiermacher entry for, um, he also wrote, he wrote a, another book called Schleiermacher from Fortress Press, which is of another, another series recently. <laughs> Good. We'll maybe get into that later. I don't recommend that for um, our listeners, but I do recommend the other book I, I mentioned. And so I'm going to be kind of just paraphrasing some stuff I, we, that I pulled from that first kind of chapter. Um, and uh, basically, to start out with, Schleiermacher is a theologian that lived from 1768 to 1834. And he, he comes along in the history of, uh, in a crucial time in history when the Enlightenment had been in full force, but it was starting to wane in certain ways, and it was waning in several ways. Kant's critical philosophy had sort of turned uh, the Enlightenment on its head as, as far as some of the long-held rationalist assumptions of it. Um, as well as David Hume came with really a program of skepticism, well, I guess technically we call it empiricism, um, that uh, was also uh, very questioned very much so the metaphysical claims of the Enlightenment. So uh, even though Enlightenment, you could say, replaced old-time religion, it did become a religion of its, of its own in a way. I mean, is that kind of a fair read, <laughs> would you say, of, the, of that history? At least for some people, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Least, uh, I'm, I'm uh, going to be simplistic in some just to get through this, but um, so times are changing. Schleiermacher comes along really in this time, and uh, he the, his first major work uh, in seventeen was it seventeen ninety nine is called Speeches on Religion, and that's where his central idea of where religion of of what he defines what religion is, meaning what he defines what religion's essence is. And so Daniel's going to be able to explain this a lot better than I am. So basically, what, uh, what does he introduce in on religion, uh, and particularly the feeling? The, the, am I pronouncing the, There's a German word for it. Gefühl? Gefühl? Yeah. Okay. So he doesn't, so um, in, in on religion, he's not, he's talking, he's talking about intuition, uh, intuition in that work, and feeling comes in the Christian faith as, the, as his preferred substitute term. So it's so intuition is the term we're talking about for now in this earlier phase, seven earlier. Uh, his first edition of on religion. Okay. Right. And what is and what what how does intuition, what role does intuition play in in Schleiermacher's thought? Well, um, I thought that um I thought that uh, Jackie Marina did a great job talking about this in the previous podcast more, and I think in the in the context of thinking about it, what it meant for an audience that had just been reading Kant. Mm-hmm. That is not that is not my specialty, so I don't want to kind of tread on the same same ground. But by late by later on, I know what it means in some important ways because I know what it does in his Christian dogmatics. Right. Um, and and I think, yeah, his every, uh, students are very often given if they reach Schleiermacher, You may have had this experience too, Drew. But if they, if they reach Schleiermacher, they're given um, the first speech. Uh, and probably the first hundred pages of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's the and and maybe or and maybe not even that maybe just the text maybe just a textbook that explains here's mm-hmm. here's those concepts, 
And really central to my work is that those concepts are cashed out actually in really traditional theological ways, if you keep reading. Okay. <laughs> uh, not um, solely traditional ways, not uninterestingly traditional ways, but um, he's he's reforming as he's recasting them. But they're in, uh, he's in conversation with a much deeper tradition in the use of these terms, I think, right. than others. So kind of basically I'm, what I'm trying to do is warn you that whatever interpretation I give is going to be is already going to be kind of my slant on things. Mm -hmm. Well, I, so there was a, it was a, you had written in, oh, it's that it was a blog, but you also have an article where you basically mentioned that about this approach you have to Schleiermacher. Um, and I'll make a show note for our, our readers to, to uh, read it. It's actually from the, the Evang, Evangelischen, Theologen. Oh gosh, I need to get better at my German. That um, the the website that's attached to that you wrote the mm -hmm. you wrote the guest post for on was it Travis McMakin's blog? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so in that approach, um, you talk a little bit about the approach that you have to reading Schleiermacher because you think a lot of that a lot of the where we um, where a lot of like introductory students go wrong is that they go about reading Schleiermacher the, in not the best way to appreciate, I guess, his larger corpus and theological work. And I think the terms can sound too mysterious and vague. Why should somebody who's um, signed up to be an Episcopal priest be interested in um, late 18th century senses of intuition mm -hmm. um, in and of themselves? Well, surely that should connect to their theological concerns uh, and faith commitments. Weiermacher mm -hmm. thinks this too, and I think that alone is interesting. You know that he thinks, "Hey, you can't understand these things without, apart from particular faith commitments." Um, and in the Christian faith, he spells this out in more detail, and and substitutes instead of intuition, substitutes feeling. He thinks that, he says later on that basically they all mean the same thing, something something like this, um, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. it's plausible if they, that they do, but it's, but then he goes on to spell out how that's supposed to work. Uh, so for instance, he thinks that, that the arresting of that, um, feeling is the, um, is sin. So it's intimately related to the drama of redemption and, uh, you know, Christology and everything else. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so central to his accounts and, and in the end, the perfection of this, um, this is in this, in this paper that just came out that I, I write about this. Uh, the, the perfection of this is actually in, uh, in blessedness, in the, the uninterrupted feeling is blessedness. So and, when you say, uh, for our listeners, so the, the feeling which, uh, yeah, Jacqueline Mourinho really went into detail about that, but it's mm -hmm. basically the, um, what Schleiermark said was intuition, which is such a central part of his thought. And, uh, as Daniel said, as you move later in his career, he starts to use the term feeling, gifuel. Um, it's so central because that is how we experience God, um, that the essence of religion itself is located in an inward piety that he calls um, intuition. And inevitably, this will express itself in outward form. And that is when when the thematization of that outward expression 
happens and it happens through people coming together and fellowship and prayer. That is when you get um, religion or what you call positive religion. Um, so Daniel, you're speaking to sin of sin is basically the counter basically to the progress that this feeling is making. Is yeah, well, and, and, and of course the contrary, the perfection of that is this is Schleiermacher's Christology, mm -hmm. right? So, so Christ is the person in whom is the human in whom this feeling is unbroken. And that is, as he says, a true being of God mm -hmm. in the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Right. So there's something about this feeling which amounts to God, which amounts to divine presence, mm -hmm. would be the clearest way to put it. And people might think, why, why should I describe that as feeling? Well, sometimes you can feel God, but Schleiermacher's main worry is he's trying to avoid, uh, he's trying to avoid Kant's account of practical religion, religion as a moral postulate, mm -hmm. um, but also, but also Hegel's account uh, of an over over conceptualized account of piety mm -hmm. um and hegel hegel famously said you know um if schleiermacher's right the best christian is a is a, um, no better than a loyal dog and hegel also, said this hegel said this about schleiermacher and then and schleiermacher's response was something like well if hegel's right the best christian is hegel and that's even sillier <laughs> you know right <laughs> so the the idea being that um there's a certain snobbery in that view and schleiermacher was interested in his, his whole life in thinking that the common person, although they were not nearly as good at explaining their faith as um, as he was, for obvious reasons, he's a professional and so on, that their piety uh, or their or their um, their religion, in in that sense, their um, their their uh, the presence of God in them, or the recognition of God, or however however you, you want to put it, to be more clear about it. Um, but their, that their piety was equal mm -hmm. or even greater than his, right? So he thought the uneducated person in the pew could be an excellent Christian, but a bad theologian. Right. And this Christian, this theory rather, is designed to explain how that could be the case. Well, and you, um, you kind of get this, don't you, in uh, the Christmas Eve sermons, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's for our listeners, uh, Schleiermacher wrote in, uh, I can't, I think it was probably eight, 1810 it was kind of like mid early but not too early writing of Schleiermacher where he wrote basically a little story about these these you know quaint German um it's kind of I have a friend who refers to it as Victorian schlock but then we he knows it's it's before technically Victorian and this is Germany but it's basically just cute little story about this family and a in a house on Christmas Eve and like the the men are all in these to these like uh uh, how would you describe it? Like a little intellectual, uh, little. They're in a debate. They're having an intellectual. They're having debate. a debate, and one's more of an enlightened type of figure, and they're talking about like Jesus and the Christmas story, and one's kind of the the level-headed, moderate, and I don't remember. But the the men are having like debates, and it's and it's and it's fascinating, but it's really wordy. Schleiermacher kind of portrays those men in the room in contrast to uh, the child who may not know all that stuff but her her devotion and her uh the way she gazes upon her little crush is just that's true religion right or there's a woman in the, the 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 matriarch i guess of the family who is uh taken by music which <laughs> which is not you know music is doesn't have to be words it just elevates your spirits right so it, it, that's kind of what right like what piety is versus but nevertheless, Schleiermacher is a theologian, right? I mean, he writes all this very technical, systematic work. So that's 
So for our listeners, I mean, that kind of shows you the two, he's a dynamic person in, in church history. He's, he has both of these sides to him, right? Right. So. I think many of us are familiar with people who think that piety is important and theology has no place. And Schleiermacher's theory is designed to defend against that as well, right? right. So that's not the right view either, mm-hmm. nor is it that intellectual skill is is true religion. <laughs> right. So, you know, I recently read a comparison uh, between Gerhard, or Gerhard Ebling, who actually, um, I did not know this, he was the editor, he, he, I guess he was, he was a big time for our listeners, Gerhard Ebling is a, um, well, he was actually the mentor of Eberhard Jungle, <laughs> who we did a whole episode on. In fact, if you know Jungle, you know Ebling, because it, it seems like uh, Jungle's kind of just like, totally just uh, continuing what uh, uh, Ebling's doing. I know it's, it's confusing with the names, Eberhard Jungle, Gerhard Ebling, but Gerhard Ebling wrote a work where he compared Luther and Schleiermacher and he basically said like um it was for that uh, it was actually for an international Schleiermacher congress and, and Ebling comes in because he's an important editor of the complete critical edition of Schleiermacher him along with several other uh big names in Germany um out of the academy and but he's also known for for his for him being such a Luther scholar and his comparison to Luther and Schleiermacher it was interesting because he said um for Schleiermacher, uh, theology is the daughter of religion, even though Schleiermacher would not say religion, he would say, he, well, he would, he would say religion at first, and over time, he would say piety. Um, while for Luther, uh, doct- uh, doctrine, or, th- or sorry, life is the daughter of which you could say pieties like life, life is the daughter of theology, except Luther would put in a way like life is the daughter of doctrine. Schleiermacher would say that uh, doctrine or theology is the daughter of piety or a pious life. So there's, it's almost like they're reversed in a way, but he also added like, you can't Schleiermacher interestingly said a quote where Oh, I wish I pulled it. I, I was going to have it pulled up. Um, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll, uh, on that note, I'm sure you have a thought on that. I'll, I'll get to the actual quote later. Um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Oh, on, 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 sorry, on the, on, the, on the relationship between, between piety and doctrine, you mean? Piety and doctrine, right. And he also had, um, Schleiermacher just has, a, in general, he, he's also interested in the sciences, right? And he's interested, well, from my research, I know he's interested in like politics. So he has all these wide interests and he believes that there's a relationship between all of it, you know, the, the, the Wissenschaft, right? I mean, it's, but it's knowledge, knowledge, but there's a proper relationship between it all, right? It's not just, um, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a way you go about saying how they're related and, and there's a way that that he would say you shouldn't go about doing it. But um, yeah, no, I digressed a lot. Um, but should we go over, I was, <laughs> I never actually, I didn't actually go over his life so much. I guess it's not that important at this point. Um, I do, I would recommend for people that Terrence Dice book from Abingdon because it, it, it talks about like, it's Terrence Tice's view of how Schleiermacher became the theologian he did. I mean, all 
major thinkers have a story and there's always like turning points in their personal life that shape them right and it's interesting how where how tice words that he says that there's a point in his life like in the early brethren community schleiermacher had um for what i believe a uh reform background which he always stayed a part of but he his um i guess his schooling is um and i don't know the european equivalent but you know is is primary not primary school but um growing up he was schooled in a Hernhutter brethren community which is moravian and that is when he uh tice would say had the realization of grace over legalism um he said also in these formative years he would develop a mystical disposition um and crucially he talks about um as that Schleiermacher became disillusioned with atonement-based Christian belief, um, seeing it as an impediment um, to uh, experiential piety. Uh, that's how Tice words it. Um, and so this kind of leads, so he, he ends up having some correspondence with his father during his uh, younger days. And his father, I believe, was a didn't I think he had a, a clerical background as well. He's a pastor, reformed reform pastor, reform pastor, but much more conservative bent. And and they had kind of Schleiermacher had written him as a younger person said he didn't think he believed in some um, central uh, beliefs. And he, I think uh, he, he found little value in orthodoxy or doctrinally traditional articulation of the Christian faith. So that kind of brings up. Um, for Lister, Schleiermacher is often considered the father of liberal theology or modern theology. But how would you, uh, how how do you think we should, you know, two hundred plus years after uh, that time and what liberal meant in that time? How would you, um, what's your take on that? As far as what, <laughs> is he what, in what kind of what do we mean by liberal in his context? What does that mean? Right. Yeah. So this is where my take differs, you know, more substantially from a lot of the the kind of textbook cases that you get. You know, here's this thing, liberal theology. It consists in um, demoting the authority of the Bible, rejection of um, substitutionary atonement theories of various sorts, um, uh, rejection of miracles. And, and then um, things like that, notions that like we can save ourselves through um, social arrangements or uh, so on and so on, mm -hmm. you know, kind of um, views that that are that come from the later nineteenth and early twentieth century. Uh, for another another very common one would be that um, uh, that you know all sort of the John Hick version of all religions are sort of different paths up the same mountain. Um, and funnel, funnily enough, Schleiermacher just basically doesn't really agree with any of them. <laughs> what was no, the, did, so did you just mention? So, I don't. I forget if you just mentioned. I remember the last time we 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 had our when our pre-show conversation. You talked about how a lot, a lot of the I guess pop, I'll call it pop liberal Christianity today is like we're going to bring the kingdom in ourselves. <laughs> so that right. like, that whole yeah. notion is like that's not. You would say Schleiermacher is not part of that, right? And there's uh, well, he's he's there's there's elements of that which he's happy with because, for instance, he's interested <laughs> in social reform mm -hmm. for. Uh, you know, a, a, a religiously motivated social reform, and he thinks that you can mitigate the effects of sin and indeed mitigate its severity. Uh, 
and exacerbate it if you fail to, to reform in certain sorts of ways. The sorts of societies we set up really matter for, for us, he thinks. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't think that um, you could just get rid of it. it it's a matter of uh, modulating as opposed to eradicating. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has a kind of vision for the consummation of the church as um, eventually everybody becomes Christian, but he brings up the obvious point, but there'll be new babies. <laughs> right. you know, what do we do about them? And so, it, and it cl clearly reveals part of his view is that he thinks that along with the great tradition that in a way humans are born, if not sinners, disposed to be sinners, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. Something, you know, they're uh, like, like Zwingli's um, uh, famous analogy of a, of a, of a wolf pup, you know, it's not guilty for what right. it's done as a puppy, but it's guilty for what it will do for the sheep. It will kill. Right. You know, well, and I think, you know, another way that I think Schleiermacher does not fit and would not fit into what often flies under the banner of progressive Christianity or liberal Christianity today um, comes right from some of his right writings from uh, the Christian faith on the natural heresies. Um, and for our listeners, that means Schleiermacher defines heresies as distortions of the Christian faith. Of course, that's classically how heresies really have always been defined. But um, it happens when there is a distortion due to a foreign influence of the essence of Christianity. Um, so what Daniel mentioned to go, how there's sin, the sin is always a countering influence to uh, the cultivation of piety. Uh, that is, that means that you know that sin in the world is a foreign influence and um and also the the essence of christianity which is piety also involves relation the relation of redemption to the need of redemption and this is where schleiermacher says there's four natural heresies that uh distort that relationship or they overemphasize one to the expense of the other Pelagianism, Manichaeanism, Ebionitism, and Docetism, which are all the names of classical heresies, and he sees them as general forms, though, um, and that any, even any distortion of Christianity here today would fall under those forms. Um, and so, but it's interesting how so much of that, like, for him, it's so important that it has to be preserved the need of our redemption um, or the re relationship of redemption to the need of our redemption. And that's tied also to his Christology. And I feel like in, in so much of pop liberal Christianity, heresy today isn't even seen as dangerous. It's like, it's, it's seen as maybe like a suppressed voice that has equal validity as any Christological read does. Um, um, when I see this type of language from what I'd call like modern pop liberal Christianity, um, and I'm ashamed to say I used to buy into some of that, then I go and read someone like Schleiermacher. There's just a level of rigor and thoroughness, and he has a system too, because he's actually a systematic theologian. So I, so in one way, yeah, Schleiermacher, I think you know he puts traditional theologic theological concepts on definitely new footings. Sometimes I think in very radical ways. He's nevertheless very Christocentric at the end of the day. And that's where I yeah, think a lot of like liberal pop is just not Christocentric. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I agree. And I, um, and it's a, it's a great point to, to reach back to the discussion about piety and, and intuition and feeling, because actually what Schleiermacher goes on to say is um, 
we can only talk about these as general terms in abstraction from the Christian experience of redemption mm -hmm. uh, by Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And so actually what we're doing when we're talking about things like feeling or, or intuition or whatever sense and taste for the infinite, that's an abstraction. We're making, we're making something specific, generic. And the thing, the specific thing that we're making generic is the experience of the love of God. Mm -hmm. And so in, in Jesus Christ, right? So it's the, it's the, it's the experience of that love, the Holy spirit that we're make that we're drawing, um, a general pattern on the basis of. So most people think that Schleiermacher has a theory of religion, then he slots Christianity into it. But the truth is the reverse, that right. he actually has a Christian theology that he slots other religions into. And he doesn't think they're entirely false. Um, they depend, depends on what they, on what they say, right? He's perfectly happy to admit truth where he finds it. Right. So there's a, there's a very generous spirit in that sense. He's modern, but he also says in the Christian faith that, um, that that describing God even as Almighty and uh, and uh, and you know um, all knowing without saying that God is loving and wise is he says quote nothing more than the shadow of faith which even devils may have mm -hmm. quoting quoting the book of James so um, so there's a real you know um, he's he's in this awkward in between place between kind of conservatives who don't want to give an inch on these on these issues and, and liberals who might want to give a bit too much. Um, and I think well, there's a wisdom uh, for me yeah. in, in that middle ground. Yeah. And I think, um, well, like how you mentioned how Schleiermacher would view other religions. I mean, I think other religions have an important place in his whole scheme because um, those other religions are they're They're going back for our listeners to how, inward piety inevitably expresses itself that's what all religion is whether it's christianity or another religion and so any positive religion that's arose in history is not pouring of that feeling um for schleiermacher though he would say christianity is the highest developed form of that um and that's what other um religious expressions uh would lack for him so um yeah i don't see a lot of that um that way of looking at it so much anywhere <laughs> so and i would actually put it even slightly stronger um i mean i agree with that you, you it's it's very close to what you said but i would say that for schleiermacher there's just christian piety uh and the views and, and that piety and, and the degrees to which other um communions of piety approximate to it okay so sometimes people think that he thinks that religion is a genus that it's this category where everybody has a version of this thing called religion Okay. He actually just thinks that religion is the Christian faith. He means by religion, he doesn't mean the religions. He doesn't mean world religions. Mm -hmm. He means religion as in that old time religion or losing my religion, right? right. Like, you know, um, not not as in like, you know, pick one from, from this set of like, uh, you know, like things. It's not a kind. It's right. unique. It just is piety. Mm -hmm. And everything else is a kind of dimmer or more uh a cl dimmer or closer approximation to true right. piety which is he thinks the christian faith mm -hmm. so part of your work because i know you work with paul nemo um at aberdeen and mm -hmm. uh, um both of you and he's especially known for this have, have well we've already mentioned you have a different take perhaps on schleiermacher than 
than the take that's more uh, more critical of them in, in a negative way. Um, and I guess a lot of that stems from there, there's a long history of reception of Schleiermacher, and it's an interesting history um, because you know he he lives and dies in the 19th century. Well, he lives in the 18th and lives and dies in the 18th and 19th century, and since there's been different waves of how he's been received. And it probably differs, of course, between Germany and, and the English speaking world. But Karl Barth was very important with, I guess, an interpretation of Schleiermacher that uh, pervaded for a while, was influential on uh, Reinhold Niebuhr. And for our, li- our listeners, I'm a huge Barth fan. Um, I've read his Schleiermacher lectures at uh, in Göttingen in 20, 23, 24, whatever that year was. And um you know, found myself like, uh, f- found his, you know, I think he was a little nitpicky with Schleiermark, but overall, I agreed with a lot of his critiques of him overall, but we can get that later. But one of the, one of the charges against Schleiermacher is subjectivism, that he's just, uh, he reduces, he anthro, anthropo, anthro, anthropo, I can't even find the name. He, 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 uh, reduces, uh, religion to, um, anthropology um, anthropology and that and subjectivism what would be i guess your response to that uh yeah so i mean i just think that that's um a, a very odd reading i mean he thinks that there's matters matters of fact uh and he thinks that um that feeling is the way that we are in touch with those matters of fact so um that's why that's why piety can be um, can be more or less true because it can get things wrong um, by degree. Usually, it's not entirely you know no one's piety is wholly worthless, right? Mm. Basically, he thinks um, so. But but um, uh, but but there it's possible to just not um, to just not get things right because there is a there is a uh, there is a truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. And so, so he definitely doesn't think that, uh, but I think people have gotten confused about this in part because of his, uh, his account of, for instance, the divine attributes, which I've written on, which we've talked about before. And, uh, yeah. and so I have interest in, I think of mutual interest and, and, um, I'll, I know you already know this, but I'll repeat it for the sake of your listeners. But the, um, in this paper I wrote, basically I spell out how, how Schleiermacher's doctrine is uh, of the divine attributes sounds, if you're a 20th century thinker expecting something different, uh, sounds like a radical left sort of subjectivist position, theologically left. Uh, but um, but actually it's very, it very closely approximates to, in fact, virtually point for point matches the position of the reformed scholastics and people like Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. So um, I think what's part of the story is actually that modern theology doesn't um, has lost track of a lot of what what its um, what its predecessors were saying and doing and why. Mm-hmm. And Schleiermacher is so interesting because he stands at that juncture. So he's still reading figures. His you know his uh, the, the the thinkers he's reading are late scholastics, right? Uh, and he's the beginning of modern yeah. theology. He's not reading modern theologians. He is modern. He is the modern theologian. Right. Well, they're not. They haven't even been born yet. I mean, yeah, well, they might have been born, but he's Ritual and Trouts. They're not around. I mean, yeah, he's like you said. He's reading Turretin, um, Beta, 
<laughs> you know, so. And um, that, you know, I, these, all these all these folks that are famous um, reform, or, or, post-Reformation scholastics, Reformed and Lutheran, he mostly cites the Lutherans, interestingly, because of yes. his interest in the reform and the Union Church um, politics. But <laughs> but the um, he he is he he cites Aquinas all the time. Uh, he cites Cambridge Platonists. He cites um, right. you know Quakers. He cites. Uh, Augustine constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, so his, I think, I think is his number one source, in, just as just as Thomas Aquinas um, cites Augustine most of all. Schleiermacher is, is Augustine. Is, I remember uh, in Christian faith, he there's a lot of yeah Latin quotes from Augustine sprinkled throughout it. Um, yeah, it's interesting how um, how he he really not, I don't want to say appeals to those writings, but but uh, well, he in a way he does right. He's looking Definitely. to the greater tradition. Explicitly, at many mm -hmm. points, he explicitly appeals to them. Right. Um, well, and I, I, and I read that article you you wrote. Um, I read it a couple of years ago, and I liked how you kind of, you spoke of uh, the two different types of adequacy. I guess for speaking about God, was that um, if I'm vaguely remembering you uh, as far as like human descriptions about God um, are not not attributed to God in a certain way, but can be attributed to God in another way. Um, yeah, so so there's a there's a couple of distinctions. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is a sort of um, scholastic -y stuff, but it's really interesting to me, and it's also noteworthy that Schleiermacher is engaging in this kind of um, at the in a he knows these he knows these distinctions and terms, and he's working with them in his in his account. And it's the later figures that don't know them anymore who think Schleiermacher is innovating, as opposed to Schleiermacher just continuing an older conversation and people just not realizing it, but. The terms are, first of all, um, there's two senses of adequacy, which are important. And um, one is adequacy to ends, to what, what to our purposes. Um, and the other is adequacy to an object. So um, a concept can be adequate to an object uh, only in a very, um, only in a very strict way. So it's gotta be, um, maybe, maybe it's not possible depending on your school of philosophy, but um, it's, something, a concept is adequate to its object when it completely grasps its object, minimally. Mm -hmm. You'd have to say that. Um, and Schleiermacher, following Augustine and every ancient theologian and every medieval theologian and every Reformation theologian, says that um, that God cannot be comprehended, right? As right. Augustine says, if you, if you think you've comprehended God, you can be sure it's not God you've comprehended. Mm -hmm. um, and so Schleiermacher thinks we thinks that our, um, that the attributes of God cannot be adequate to what God is in God's self. And people take that to be subjective. But of course, Schleiermacher thinks that that's the case because he thinks that there's a fact of the matter of what God is, mm -hmm. namely that then, uh, you know, that which no concept can comprehend. Well, and it's funny. Um, well, first off, don't apologize for being too scholastic-y on the show. We've had Jack Kilcrease on the show is literally an hour of that, just very scholastic. -y. Okay, good. <laughs> and Jack knows it. We love it. That's why we had him on to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, that was my uh, experience too. In, you know, f funny enough, I mean, Schleiermacher was one of the first theologians I studied, like post MDiv, going into graduate like work. And later on, did I read um, some of the patristic fathers who were not saying the same thing, I'm like definitely not saying that, but um, where 
like you said, you can no one can fully comprehend God. And that has been a recurring understanding throughout the great tradition from the early church, um, uh, through Augustine, through Aquinas, through the reformers. Um, uh, and they've had, they've all resolved it in a different kind of way. I think, I think, um, the whole notion of, uh, God granting us to be able to, I think that was Augustine really, um, God granting us the ability to say some things and conceptualize some things about him. And I kind of see that a little bit in Schleiermacher. Um, obviously he writes these big theological works. If he didn't think that that was okay with God, he wouldn't have done it. Right. Right. (laughs) Augustine appeals to illumination at this point, right. To say, well, how can we say anything Mm -hmm. remotely adequate about God? And that's actually pretty much exactly what Schleiermacher does. So if you if you read the entirety, not just the beginning, but the entirety of the Christian faith, uh, right. feeling uh, slash piety, uh, fun- it, it, it just is his generic, initially generic way of explaining mm-hmm. what uh, illumination, illumination by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just an account of, um, of that. Now, that still doesn't mean that our concepts are adequate to grasp God. Mm-hmm. But that 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 does mean that they're authorized, right? Uh, and so you could you could have something that's that's um, adequate to our purposes, that's not adequate to its object, and that's the main distinct. That's one main distinction that that's an, as old as the hills, um, right? That people have been making for a very long time, right? Um, I just I finally found I've pulled up that uh, with that work from Ebling, so. Uh, is alright if I share a little bit? So sure, Ebling, sure. Um, Gerhard Ebling, um, this is the parallel he found between Luther and Schleiermacher. Okay. And I'm really interested in reading more Gerhard Ebling. I mean, this like turned me on to like Gerhard Ebling. Um, Gerhard Ebling um, says that uh, there's an interesting we find in a statement from Luther, and I meant to dig the footnote he had. And uh, an instance in Schleiermacher, and I meant to dig the footnote he had, but, but, it, but two different times, Schleiermacher and Luther both state that they, they oppose um, religion to morality and metaphysics. Oh, well, in Schleiermacher, of course, that's in the first speech of on religion. So for our listeners, um, basically, uh, Kant, who placed uh, the essence of religion in, in morality, and... Um, I'm not really good. Do you, can you speak a little more to that about how no, you're not, you're not the, you're not the Kant person, but I, but how did, I mean, basically what did that mean for Kant that religion was tied into the moral? Yeah. yeah but, well, it was a way of, I mean, basically Kant thinks that, um, that, that God is something that you can, that you have to have recourse to, to make the moral life intelligible. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that isn't intelligible on its own. Right. Uh, so, and in fact, the, his metaphysical program is to, is to say, hey, you can't ha- possibly have knowledge of anything like this. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so you can only, uh, you can only postulate the existence of God. Now, now there's, a, there's, a, there's, I think, a skeptical reading of Kant on this, which is wrong. Um, I, I, I agree with contemporary Kant scholars who think that Kant is very serious about this. He really thinks... Uh, he really does believe in God in some sort of way, uh, but it's but the justification for that, the grounds for that are only in 
the way it makes the moral life intelligible. Right. Um, and that was, that was kind of my read of, of Kant as well. Schleiermacher does depart from Kant. Um, and I know there's there's kind of the Kantian reader Schleiermacher that I know you're not a fan of. And I just, I didn't buy it. I think Richard Crowder's, um, I'll put a show note to it, but Richard Crowder's, intro, I think his preface to, was it Crowder? I think his, his uh, translation of On Religion um, or maybe he wasn't a trans, he wasn't a translator. He was an editor with a, in the forward he wrote, he really traces the 1790s development of Schleiermacher and why Schleiermacher is obviously, we know from speeches on religion that he does depart from Kant by locating the essence of religion in something totally different than Kant did. But that's because there's some serious disagreement that you don't, you may not get from just reading that speech, but also going to to Crowder's work on that. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so Schleiermacher ends up seeing religion as something with it, within itself and not, uh, it's not metaphysics, it's not morality. Schleiermacher sees often where the present, common presentations of religion go wrong is that they're, they're metaphysical in nature or they're moral in nature. I mean, that's, um, and again, I'd encourage uh, if, if for people to read just speech one from speeches on religion to to get that i know daniel's not a fan of going right to that to 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 learn entirely about schleiermacher but (laughs) that does show how what i'm talking about it'll it'll elaborates more but and in the the intro to the christian faith he has the same thing that he goes very it's very just a few pages but he says very clearly religion does not consist in morality and religion does not consist in uh in thinking right it doesn't consist in doing the right sorts of things or in thinking the right sorts of things. Right. Now, um, that might sound just like a debate between, um, uh, just as splitting the difference between Kant and Hegel philo- philosophically, but I think the other, and I think it is, but I think the other angle on all of that, of course, is that it's the only way to not be a Pelagian. Right. Because if you think you can attain, attain true religion by your thinking or your doing, that's an interesting, you, yeah, that's an interesting you uh, think point. You can save yourself in some in some basic way. Yeah, and, he, and piety alone is not something that we're active in. It's something that we suffer for Schleiermacher. It happens to us. We don't suffer it as in like it's painful. It's mm-hmm. joyful, but it happens to us. We don't do anything, right? And that's what what distinguishes it from both of those um, other modes. So it issues in thoughts and in deeds, but it arises from neither. Right. Yeah, it's not disconnected from morality and metaphysics, but yeah, it's, it's, we can uh, do metaphysics and we can and we can do morals, right? (laughs) Right. But but it's but but piety isn't those things. Mm -hmm. And so Evelyn says Luther also said a similar thing. He would say Luther's reasoning was for opposing theology to metaphysics. Morality is linked more to his understanding of the two kingdoms. And Evelyn knows he's drawing a parallel that. Luther obviously was not aware of because this is 200 years before a man named Schleiermacher existed. (laughs) And Schleiermacher was likely not um, uh, aware of this saying from Luther. I can imagine the 19th century, that was the case just because it was before they really, Luther's works really became compiled critically. Um, But uh, so, and that's where Ebling make, but that's, so the quote I was going to pull was that um, Ebling sees where, um, or he takes a quote from Schleiermacher. Schleiermacher said, 
Wasn't our Luther one such and only began to think about his piety when it was a question of keeping hold of their possessions so that his theology was evidently a daughter of his religion? So basically that the experience, the tower experience of Luther, right, is where the location of religion is to be found. According to Schleiermacher's kind of, I don't know what the occasion of why he said this about Luther. And then, of course, Luther's note, not short of being a theologian, but all that, of course, proceeds from that feeling in the tower. So that's basically my kind of interpretation of that. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'd recommend, I'll put a show note for our listeners. There's a couple of good comparative things between Luther and Schleiermacher, not only from Gerhard Abling, but from Oswald, Oswald Bayer, Oswald Bayer, who's a great Luther scholar. Um, On the same note, it's probably worth mentioning that, um, that there's tons of good stuff uh, by, by Brian Garish, especially, uh, but by others as well, on Schleiermacher's connection to the Reformed tradition. And mm-hmm. of course, Calvin called his institutes a summa pietatis, a summary of piety, as opposed to a summa theologia. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so that, that is, I think, another connection. I mean, there's something about the reformers, you know, not just Luther, that, that, might, be, uh, that might be more of a, a, a German proclivity to go to, straight to Luther. But, right. It is but, a German, very German thing. <laughs> and Ebeling admits that. He's like, look, I mean, there's, it's kind of arbitrary that I'm comparing Luther and Schleiermacher. One would think I would compare him with Zwingli or Calvin or something because he's of the Reformed tradition. <laughs> but you wouldn't have a Calvin or Zwingli without Luther, right? So I don't know. No, I'm sorry. I cut you off. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're well, you're right on all the above. Um, although, well, maybe not. Maybe you'd have a swing. Maybe you'd have a Zwingli, but um, but maybe. Oh, not. yeah, I don't. We don't bring Zwingli up on this show. So sorry. Oh, that's too bad. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the the uh, I, I think there's just to just to say there's even more links between how the reformers are thinking about live their the experience of religion and and codifying it in their in their theological writings mm-hmm. and that those writings are a reflection on something which has already been experienced right um shifting gears a little bit what um do you want to tell us what um your most recent book is about yes <laughs> so <laughs> just real quick and the whole time. we will put a link to how where to buy it well. Uh, recently out in paperback so it's only sort of expensive now um so yeah it's uh schleiermacher's theology of sin and nature as the subtitle suggests is well as the title suggests it's about schleiermacher's doctrine of sin mm-hmm. and how it relates to nature but nature is kind of ambiguous in the title on purpose because um schleiermacher i'm using it in, i'm using the term in two senses so on the one sense, I'm interested in how Schleiermacher is thinking about how sin relates to the natural order or the natural world. So how, how does sin relate to BBC programs or history class or geology? Mm-hmm. And I think Schleiermacher has an account of that. I mean, I know Schleiermacher has an account of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is, is that it, it is how sin relates to human nature specifically. And of course, those nest within each other, right? I mean, humans are part of the natural order. And for Schleiermacher, it's, um, Schleiermacher loves the themes of the organic, uh, which if any of your listeners are fans of um, later Dutch thinkers will recognize as a kind of 19th century Calvinist trope. 
um, and Schleiermacher is in fact a 19th century Calvinist <laughs> of a sort. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, so the themes of, themes of the organic are very important to him and not just in a kind of, um, as a kind of metaphor, he really thinks the world is an organic whole and that humans are parts of that whole. Mm -hmm. um, and that the world is the principal object of divine activity. The world meaning the cosmos, absolutely everything, which includes humans, but which is, but it's not mainly that there's a kind of blank stage on which God works out redemption or lets us work it out even worse, but rather that, um, but rather that the universe is uh, is both the subject of redemption, like that which is to be redeemed, but also the means by which redemption is brought about. So God God makes and uses a universe uh, for its own perfection mm -hmm. in a certain sort of way. Now that's not up to us. Uh, I mean, that's just happening, right? Like it's as in it's we haven't done any of that as in the same way that I haven't ignited any stars recently. Mm -hmm. Right, like, um, and he and he thinks, and he uses cosmological metaphors to bring this out in some works. But the senses of sin and nature, in both in both ways, are important because they regard how the world is ordered teleologically. So how the world is ordered to bringing about its purposes, uh, and humans are a principal purpose of the world, uh, human redemption in particular. But it's the world that's ordered to bring about those purposes. And so humans have purposes and the world has purposes for Schleiermacher and those are related to each other in a mm -hmm. kind of nested way. Mm -hmm. So that's what it, it's about, how he then, uh, using that as the kind of guiding theme, it's, it's um, about using that to sort of explain what he thinks about all those topics, but then also using it to kind of correct some myths um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also to intervene in current debates in, uh, on the doctrine of sin and and current debates in uh, metaethics and uh, and some other uh, some other points in relation to theological concerns, not general metaethics, but the, theological uh, ethical narratives, and and even more broadly, narratives about modernity. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, the 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 thing I've been working on a lot recently has been showing how um, there's just no Schleiermacher just cannot fit into any story that we, any simple story that we tell about modern theology. Mm -hmm. uh, and the book shows why. Okay. So he's doing some very modern things in certain places. And then you could, and then it's like, you could be reading Augustine in other right. places. From and, Augustine to to Boltmann or something, <laughs> right? Depending on what part of. Yeah. Except that he's, except that he's having a conversation in a more recognize, in a recognizably older way. Okay. And I think in a good way. So, um, so he's broadly speaking in uh, the traditional uh, categories that scholastics and reformers would have used, as opposed to speaking in in kind of much more distinctly modern ways, um, is part of the part of the account that I mm -hmm. that I want to uh, convince people of. Yeah, he he is an enigma of a thinker, and I think that's why uh, he's you know, f fascinating to, to study. And, and, and like I mentioned earlier in the program, he's um, so much untranslated and so much, uh, not that, the, I mean, if you're in Germany, he's translated because it's in German <laughs> or, I mean, it's, it, you can read it in Germany, but um, you know, there's this, there's this whole treasure trove really. And that's not like a, my, my listeners, not, it's not like a hundred percent endorsement of like, 
anything Schleiermacher does is awesome and everything will find and discover is great. But um, for the future of, you know, like, you know, the theological scholarship, and there's just so much I think that can be unearthed in a sense or just written about. There's just like fresh areas of exploration as far as this, as far as this monumental theologian. So, yeah, and um, along those lines, I mean, I, I, I would say, um, I think, you know, I, I lift up a bunch of strengths of his account in the book. But one of the reasons I picked that account as opposed to other bits of his writings is because I think that it's one of his stronger contributions. He's got others that I've written about and that one could write about besides that. But I'm interested in using Schleiermacher as a contemporary resource um, and not just in doing either bare historical work or in kind of hagiographical um, right. Schleiermacher scholarship. Wow, what an amazing dude. Let's, let's uh, high five him forever. Right. Well, look, like he gave us interesting tools to, to use to continue doing theology. Like any great theologian, they should be able to be redeployed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to, keep, to keep doing theology as a live activity as opposed to a kind of um, collecting of ancient relics, um, mm -hmm. you know, ironically enough, as how, as how much, um, much theology is done. And I think, I think these, are, these are live options, and I've advanced what I think are some of Schleiermacher's best contributions, mm -hmm. not just because they're historically interesting, but because I think that sometimes Schleiermacher offers better tools than anybody else today has on offer. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, Daniel, thanks for being on. The... <laughs> no, I'm going to put a link to the book and I'm going to make a show note to the, I think the divine attributes article. I have it on a, bibliography actually cited your actually cited that in the paper i wrote i think it sounds a buy so i have this i know i have the title and every all the info on it i'll, I'll see if it's available on um i mean a lot of our listeners have access to databases that can go find it and uh as well as any of the other works we may have mentioned i always go back and listen and say like okay i'll make a note of that yeah we can, people we can, can fill any it. of that out for interested listeners yeah it's pretty easy to pretty easy to get if they need to yeah yeah all right well um god bless you in your continued work writing um and studies and teaching you do teach as well yes i do thanks and um so and uh i mean in, in a year from now or in some time uh you know we'll look forward to seeing what else you've put out and bring you back on to ask you some more questions if that's all right with you yeah yeah tons uh, of fun so uh, and if uh, folks are interested in getting in contact with me they can they can look me up at the university my, my email up at the university of aberdeen divinity mm -hmm. website um and in general there's a lot of good people who work here so it's worth it's worth scoping it out um <laughs> good books good books written by all so We've had a couple Aberdeen. We had a, I don't know if you know Michael Metz. He did his program completely from a distance, uh, New Testament. So, no, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't know how big of a department it is, but yeah, there's a lot, lots of, lots of distance students too. So that you probably never see, but, but well, uh, biblical studies and practical theology would be a little, would be working in a slightly different silo than me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's New Testament, but my had nothing but great things to say about Aberdeen. And so, um, yeah. So thank you very much. And, um, and for our listeners, our next episode, 
uh, is, I guess it's in a completely TBA status, <laughs> but um, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to everyone tuning in again and God bless.